0: In every story, there is a moment of choice, one that requires the hero to decide. Do I follow the provided formula? Do I trek where the map left for me tells me to go? Or do I forge a new path? Do I ignore the advice of my predecessors? Do I risk it by heading into the unknown? Do I deal with the deep uncertainty of whether or not this deviation will lead to my demise or to my glory. For those who have braved this path less traveled, they know better than anyone that this choice was far from the hardest they'd have to make along the way. It was just the first in a series of tests and trials. But it's in these tests and trials that the greatest stories the ones that are still told today are born. This is Zero to Unicorn. Last time on Zero to Unicorn, Mike and Alyssa led the charge to keep Norhart running after the passing of the company's founder, Mike's father, Ed Kading. I think it was a lot of just sheer hard work. And willpower to like figure things out. Um, not to say we did everything in the best way. We just were trying to survive, I guess. Um, I don't know why, but we felt like we had to do it all ourselves. So especially that first two years after his dad passed away, it was like round the clock working, we got smart and hired more people. In those early days under Mike and Alyssa, the company landed larger building projects and achieved a lot of success. But behind the scenes, Norhart faced numerous challenges, stemming primarily from a lackluster staff.
1: And just in that one year...
0: This is Dan, Norhart's construction superintendent who was hired during that time period.
1: We went from, I mean, literally we had needles in the porta potties We just, we had, we we have the cops come to our job site looking for certain people. Um, We had a guy once miss work for a week and once he was back to work, we found out he had been in jail because the the cops thought he had uh, tried to kill his friend. It took his friend coming out of a coma for him to say it was, I did it and it wasn't him. And then he came back to work. That's, that was life at Kaysen prior to 2020.
2: You know, this really came to a head in our growth as a company because there was one period where one year where we had very few safety instances over nine months. But a month 10, we had more safety instances in October than all the other months combined. And so this really sunk home the fact that we really need to make sure safety is a priority. I remember walking up to one team. In the week prior, I was reminding them that they have to keep their hand back when installing this this bottom plate to a stud when they're nailing it off. And they they use these air nailers. So they did, went back to that. But what can happen is if you're rushing, if you're pushing so hard to be a production number, you might accidentally have your hand too close. What can happen is that nail can miss. And I remember one day walking up, and I don't know if it was by the very nature of my presence, if he got nervous and tried to move faster because I was watching, but he actually had his hand too close to the stud and shot a few nails through. The nail missed the stud right through his fingers. That's horrible. He ended up being okay in the end, but we don't want those kind of injuries. And there's no reason we should have that. We have to make it a habit of ours that we never engage in a work site unless we first make it safe.
3: Our entire team at that point had been made up of a lot of like, people that came from temp agencies.
0: This is Marie. Norhart's chief construction officer, who was also hired during that time period.
3: And people who weren't really engaged with their work, it was, I would say, more like construction workers by, like, coincidence. Like, they had gone to a temp agency, wanted a job, and said, I'll try being a carpenter. Um, Not people who really, like, cared and wanted to be carpenters or electricians or plumbers.
2: We were building Encore, this building that was sort of a, a nod to my father and sort of a a transition point for the company. And we'd finished up the first phase of the building and the mayor of the city was going to move into our building. This was exciting to see. Uh, And he had toured the property and then came to move in on opening day. And he's such a nice guy Uh, that day he brought in brooms and dustpans and things to clean the unit and he came by and complimented me very nicely that he did not have to use the dustpan and to clean everything up uh when he moved in this unit and i was thinking well thank you for the compliment but why why did you even have to worry about that (laughs) right i started to realize like they were touring units that were dirty and that were unclean and like I would be embarrassed to tour these units. The parking garage, in order to get to his parking stall, he had to drive through a canyon of junk. So the back end of the building, we had opened up for parking, but there was, I don't know, 60, 70 parking stalls full of just junk. And then the the building itself, uh, the second phase of the building that wasn't open, in order to get the first phase open, they just moved stuff into the second phase and it was just, again, full of junk. And I remember sitting down with uh, the HVAC team, the mechanical team, and there's only like one or two of them there. And the poor guys, they just were beat down and tired and they were trying to get good people on, but it just, nothing was quite clicking. The group wasn't there and, um, yeah, it was, it just, it was, it was hard to look at. It was hard to realize that what we were producing was not at the level that I wanted to see it at. And we knew we needed to make a change.
0: It became clear to Mike and Alyssa that they needed help. Help from people like Dan, Norhart's construction superintendent.
1: I was working with Norhart as an electrical contractor. Um, when, when Mike's dad first had his stroke, and couldn't communicate anymore. Um, they, they had a few different holes to fill and how are we gonna finish things. Um, I don't believe at that time Mike was really at the helm. I think he was a part of it, um, but his dad, Ed, was, was still running the company. All of a sudden, I mean, even if you're very capable, if somebody else has started a project and you have to step in and finish it, that's already tricky and messy. Um, but I don't think Mike was even in that role yet. So he had a lot to just jump into and, and immediately be able to do. Um, so through somebody that, that his parents knew, they, they used to go to church with, and I currently go to church with them, they found me, found an electrician that could come in and help them finish some stuff. And my first year and a half or so was helping in that way, not yet working for them full time. When I started with Norhart, it was, it was such a mess. We, we, we got to the first site when I started. I started in June, and, and maybe two months later, we, we started this first site in at Emberwood in, in uh, Blaine. There was probably five or six people total, um, most of which were temps. Um, our excavation contractor, right before we got there, maybe a week or two before we started, pulled out, said I got a different big job, got to take it, can't do it, and we rented excavators and bulldozers, and it was it was such a huge undertaking with such a small crew of really untrained people. Um it it was exciting, but it was a real mess.
3: At the time, like Ed had been handing things off to Mike and Alyssa.
0: This is Marie, Norhart's chief construction officer.
3: And I think he he had really, he had handed most of,, um, from my perspective, he had handed off most of the day-to-day operations to Mike and Alyssa, and he was still responsible for electrical. So I think it it definitely left a hole, but but they were in transition already. So, from the outside perspective, it slowed them down a little bit, but it they they kept going. They were, I think they were in the middle of a project, and it was, There was still a drive to finish the project, a drive to keep their, you know, keep their staff working and not, you know, not disrupt, you know, the families and the plans that were kind of tied to that project. As as Mike and Alyssa took over the business, I got to know them pretty well and like kind of became friends with them and, and they would come to me whenever they needed anything. So in I guess it would have been early 2016 they had approached me and asked if I wanted to come and work for them and they weren't in it just to make money like they wanted to even even back then I think before the you know the the dream was really put into words like they wanted to be a positive impact on the world they didn't know exactly what that meant at that point but like I said just good people that weren't you know, weren't in it to, you know, become rich at somebody else's expense. It's a little bit scary because they were still only like maybe 20 employees, maybe less. And um, I was working for a really big company, so it felt very secure. And so it was kind of scary, but I I knew where I was, like it was was kind of a dead end for me that I wasn't going to do much more than estimating for Menards. And at, I think at the time I was like 34, and I knew I didn't want to do that for another you know 20 or 30 years until I retired. So I wanted to do something more with my life, and I, I felt like what Mike and Alyssa were offering was my opportunity to do that. I remember Mike had called me and said, he had two options available, either a construction coordinator or a construction manager. And at the time I said, well, I've never, like I have a education in architecture and um, worked as an estimator, but I'd never worked on a construction site. So, so I don't feel like I have enough experience to to be a construction manager and manage the whole site, but I'll come in as this construction coordinator. Within four months, he said, I." Th- Mike had told me, I, I think you can do it. I want you to, to take over as the construction manager. And I had agreed. I said, you know, I'm, I'm gonna still want your support and your help um, to, to grow into this, but it is something that I wanna do, so.
2: You know, there's so many lessons that I have learned the hard way. but There's also many lessons I have learned from people so much smarter than me. I think one of the key things that we've done well is by finding mentors, leaders, coaches, who can guide us on this journey. So many of these lessons I have simply learned from other people's hard learned experiences and that's helped accelerate us and our company in a more meaningful way. It's so important to hire people that are smarter and better than you.
4: I joined, I was looking to get back into the construction industry of building buildings.
2: This is Dean.
0: Norhart's Director of Construction, who joined during that tumultuous time.
4: And I came here, interviewed with Mike and Murray, and I really liked what they had to say about where they were trying to head. Um, I came in and I did an on-site interview to look at a project that they were working on, and it was very concerning, to say the least. Um, lots of room for improvement. There was a lot going on here. There was... It was a disaster. You could hardly even walk through the hallways. Um, There was areas of the building that were being roughed in. And also, uh, no, I think the whole building was being roughed in when I toured. Um, It didn't look like a safe job site. It looked very cluttered. um, And just not a whole lot of structure, not a whole lot of organization. And that's what intrigued me. I loved challenges. I loved where they wanted to get to and what they needed to do to get there. And I wanted to be a part of the team.
0: When we come back, business continues to thrive for Norhart, but major changes with the staff are on the horizon.
2: Hey, it's Mike. Let's beat the banks at their own game. Traditional banks don't have great interest rates, but they charge businesses like Norhart higher rates and they keep all the profits. Why don't we cut out the middleman and connect directly, thus leaving more for both of us? Invest with us and earn fantastic interest rates. To learn more, visit Norhart.com. That's N-O-R-H-A-R-T.com and click on invest. So if you're looking to grow your returns, then why not join Norhart Invest today and get more than you ever could at a bank? This is an offering by Norhart Invest. Investments can only be made through the Norhart Invest website. For more information, including the offering circular, please visit norhart.com forward slash invest.
0: The pace at which Norhart was building new projects increased dramatically between the Emberwood and Encore projects.
2: I would say at
3: Encore, we... I don't know that there's like a huge difference. We had a better team. Um, a big difference in in pace is, is maybe the biggest difference. So we went from at, and really that was uh, Emberwood to Gateway Green, but then to Encore, but at at Emberwood, we were building 36 units at a time. It would take us about 16 months to build 36 units, and then we'd move to the next building. And like from Emberwood and then Gateway Green to Encore, we did 90, so we, we took at Emberwood took three years to build 112 units. At Encore, we did 91 units in like 16 months. So we, yeah, like we tripled our pace almost, maybe not quite tripled our pace in two years.
1: It's a really freeing thing to live in ignorance, to not recognize all of the pitfalls, to just say, this is huge, this is awesome. I don't know how we're gonna do this, let's do it. And that's one of those things that that I find myself doing a lot. When When, something, when something's a challenge, it, it'll get you down. You'll think this is gonna take my whole day or how am I gonna have this done by, by Friday? When something's 10 times bigger than that, it's laughable. And that's when it's awesome. This, there's no way we're gonna do this. Let's do it. I I think it was that part of me that just said, there's five of us and a rented bulldozer, and we've never put in a footing, let alone raised an entire forest, put in the parking lot. I dug the storm sewer. We don't know how to do any of this stuff. This is awesome. It was exciting. And I think that mindset... Has, I mean, you can get into trouble not knowing what you're doing and and saying, let's do it anyways. But but at the core of us, to have that mindset, I think has really gotten us so much farther than we otherwise would have.
4: At the time, I think it was the grow or die. I think it was, this is a small company that is really trying to make it. And if we don't grow, then we're dying. And I truly felt like that was, you know, it, it really resonated with me. There's so many companies that, especially second, third, fourth generation, um, just die out. They don't have that entrepreneurial um, motivation behind it. And to see Mike with Norhart creating a value of the company to be grow or die, I think that really just um, is exciting to me. I want to be a part of that. I want to. I want to grow. I want to change the world, change the industry. And I don't know how we're going to do that. But let's start down that journey and see where it takes us.
1: I think that that Mike and I kind of push each other in that way. But I have heard him tell me that uh, that as much as he pushes us, he feels that push from me. And I think that we play off each other a little bit. He wants to to set a goal that's impossible. And, And I kind of push him to, to go even farther. I, I want it to be impossible, and that's thrilling.
0: To help make the impossible possible, Mike turned outward to find mentors, coaches, and teammates to work by his side, as he pushed Norhart to a company that can make a societal impact.
2: I've always had this like passion and desire to learn from the very best, when I was young in high school to when I was college to when I was early in my business career. But I think the point that really accelerated the the need to learn from great people and to stand on the shoulders of giants was after my dad passed. Because I lost this safety net. I lost this mentor that I had in my life. And I knew that if I wanted to have the kind of impact we wanted to have, that I needed more mentors and coaches like my dad was to me. And so this sparked a drive and an energy to find some of the best mentors in the world.
0: It became quickly apparent for Norhart to continue to thrive, a mindset shift was necessary. That old wisdom of doing whatever was possible to keep costs down wouldn't be enough going forward. Something needed to change. Maybe
1: three and a half, four years in, we didn't look much different than when I started. We. We had cycled through more temps and and found a few decent employees through that process Um, but we still didn't have much in-house and we just had a few more guys our processes hadn't changed we didn't look different we were just a little bit bigger
4: i know that coming into the company we had a lot of temp labor help um no one that was really bought into the company, bought into the company's values or vision, and we could see it.
3: The other kind of big change that we made during the Encore project was improving the quality of people that we hire, so we decided rather than using a lot of temp labor and um, you know getting brand new people who have never done construction and just know that like we can teach them what they need to know.
4: And then I think I think we started making some major changes that first year I was here and all of a sudden everything was just starting to, starting to click.
3: We changed from that to, I would say, higher expectations that we'll pay more, but we want to expect more. And that was a huge shift in, I'm going to say our quality and our, and our culture.
1: I call it Mike's come to Google moment. Um. But he, he read the Google book and opened his eyes. He had all of us read it. The um, work rules, I believe it's called, Laszlo Bock.
3: It talked about like the best people outperform the average employee by like 10 times, not just not just double, but like 10 times as much. So it's really important to have the best people.
1: Prior to that, Mike's mindset had been we to grow. We need to keep our expenses low to do that. We, we don't break the bank on salary, and a, a $25 an hour guy can't really do twice what a $12 an hour guy does. It doesn't make sense. If, if that's not enough, get another $12 an hour guy or another one, but that was a huge leap to go to 25. And that was that was the outlook then. And we had that exact issue. We would we would find somebody that we really needed, and Mike would say, "I, I don't. That that's crazy. There's no way they're doing that much." Um, after reading this Google book, Mike just kind of said, "I was wrong. I I've been looking at this wrong, and the Google book opened my eyes to it. Said actually, it's not twice as much. The right guy can do five, ten times as much."
3: That in maybe inspired us to make some hires that, that felt really expensive. And at that time, you know, they were, we're going to pay more than we're paying anybody else, but we really want this person. And um, I would say that that paid off.
1: It changes everything. Um, so Mike said, I want to I rethink everything. I want top talent. I want the best people and it's gonna cost us a lot, we're gonna pay the best. We wanna to pay top of market and have top tier talent. And step one, go through the entire company, have everybody interview for their own job.
3: We ended up going through like our entire staff and had them interview for their jobs again.
1: That, that took us most of 2020 was just writing tests and bringing everybody in and evaluating them and and maybe 75% of the company was told you don't meet the bar.
3: We we found some people who had been doing their job for a year and couldn't answer some basic questions of, one example we had asked carpenters was, how high is a, a base cabinet? And I think we had an answer where somebody said five feet where that's just not even logical. Like anybody, you know, if, if you know measurements, like five feet is, is is the height of a person, that's not the height of a cabinet. So. We ended up inter- interviewing people that had come from temp agencies or that were already employees f- through temp agencies and just realizing that, that they were here for paycheck. They weren't here because they loved their job. They weren't here because they wanted to have an impact in construction or in anybody's like home. So we, the, the people that we ended up keeping from that round of reviews were, were people who cared about what they were doing. They cared about the finished product. Like they were wanting to learn, wanting to do better. And like those are the people we kept and that was the type of people that we started hiring um, when we kind of did that employee review in, while we were working on Encore.
1: Um, but now we had a different outlook, we had a different pay scale, We were interviewing great guys. In the past, we never got to interview guys like this. Great new employees.
0: Mike knew that keeping costs down in general would help realize his goal of making housing more affordable. But the scope of his vision would require an approach much different than his father, Ed, had employed as the company's leader.
2: You know, today, the techniques for us to drive down costs are very different than what he used then. Uh, Back then, it was being scrappy. It was doing whatever it took just to get the job done and putting the energy in that you can. Once you get to a larger scale, it doesn't matter how many hours you put in, you're not going to have a meaningful impact yourself alone on these projects. And so the techniques we use today are more about hiring the best people, building the right system, the right infrastructure in uh, to build these buildings at scale. But the heart of who he was and the heart of his passion to drive down costs is definitely carried through to us today.
0: With this new hiring framework in place, Mike and his leadership team were finally on the same page. And the result of this new philosophy? Dean, Norhart's current director of construction, who we heard from earlier.
2: There was one particular employee that we really wanted to come work here. His name was Dean. He was gonna be a project manager for us. And we loved him. He was amazing, just the right person. And we couldn't get him to come over because he was making so much money somewhere else. And we thought, well, we just can't afford to pay these people at this kind of level. Does this just mean we don't get great people? And it was a course of a couple of months for it to really sink in, no, we got to do this. We got to pay top of market. We've got to hire him on. And we need to find more people like him.
3: In my mind, I don't know if this is how Mike feels, but like when you talk to Dean, like we hired him like early 2020. And I remember we had interviewed probably like, I mean, they had done preliminary interviews, but a second round, like face-to-face interview, we probably interviewed like 30 different people for his position and had, had gotten close to offering it to somebody or a couple different ones. And then we interviewed Dean and like he was so much better than everybody else that we interviewed.
2: You know, there are so many people in construction, good people, but you lack something, right? They lack maybe the soft skills or they lack the thoughtful problem solving ability, or maybe they lack core drive. Dean is this like marriage of all of those things. He is driven. He is incredibly, uh, incredibly a good problem solver, and he's got such a heart to support others and support the people around him.
3: Like we knew we wanted him, but he was also asking for more than than the other candidates we had interviewed, and in in my mind, he he was the first one that I had had that feeling with like, we know we have to pay more, but it's going to be worth it. And when, when he started, he like, he proved us right that, that he was worth more than like more than like 10 of the average employee. Like he was more than worth more than all of the other people that we had interviewed. So,
2: and that was sort of the catalyst and the point of change, we really started to see some accelerated growth. It's that kind of caliber of person that just becomes so much fun to work with and what we've done is Dean was one of the first but we built out a whole team of people at that kind of level and when you get to that point like it is just fun coming in to work with that group every day.
3: We had had looked at at that at that time and said you know what like it it does make sense to change our our hiring policy because If we pay more, we're gonna get better people and those people are gonna outperform.
4: Me being one of the first on that whole train to success, I think, uh, I don't know, it's really fun to be a part of, really rewarding. When I interviewed, um, one key thing Mike said is he wanted, he wanted someone who could own and take this lean operation, this lean way of building he's been reading about that Toyota has introduced to him and and run with it. And at that time, I knew there was something different about Norhart's construction, um, different than the other industry leaders.
0: With the right team beginning to form, things were looking up for Norhart, but even the perfect team can't prevent all mistakes. And unfortunately, there was a mistake on the horizon that would have catastrophic repercussions. One afternoon, Norhart's facilities director, Keith, got a call about a crane at one of their active construction sites.
5: It was a nice, calm day, so it wasn't wind-related. It just kind of fell on the building and uh, caused some major havoc uh, because that part of the building was already rented out. We had people that were living there as their homes, and um, it was just chaos because you can't really plan for that. Horrible. Yeah, I mean, it was... There was a small fire. The power was out. The fire. The police, paramedics, helicopters flying over. It was just something out of a movie. You know, you just don't see that. You don't. There's nothing that you can pre- prepare you for that every day. Mm. So it was. It was nuts.
2: So here we had this contractor come out. Worked. It was their crane. They were doing some work on their crane, and uh, something happened, and the thing fell over. And I remember. Uh, Uh, On the phone with those staff members And they're like, I gotta go, something happened And Tim, our financial guy Was actually in the building Feet away from where this crane hit He said it was just a loud Thunder and shake Through the building I couldn't imagine what that experience was like What was going through your mind as you are racing through the building?
5: Well the first thing is, you know safety did anybody get hurt Mm -hmm. and that was the first and foremost on my mind you know did uh, was anybody trapped in the building i mean what are we looking at here and when i got there i mean it just the destruction that took place and wiped out the side of the building and like they said the small fire and here we are you know hundreds of people without a home you know what were we gonna do you know where we what's our next steps
2: one thing I love about you, and you've always been this way, is you're willing to do what it takes to solve the problem. So you turned around, and drove back to help solve this issue. But I can't imagine how difficult that is in a culture, and an environment where you don't feel like you have the respect that you deserve. Right. And I know when you and the prior leaders were reaching out to the rest of the team, you didn't quite get the res- response you were right. hoping for.
5: That's the thing that scared me the most is when I got there, there wasn't the support that was needed by the, you know, the, the rest of the staff. Um, we were just kind of out there on our, on our own trying to, you know, what's our next steps? What do we have to do? You know, so you just jump in and say, all right, well, we need to find homes for the residents and we need to uh, make sure that uh, they're taken care of and, um, what's the next steps after that? I mean, when can we come into the building? How long is this for? You know, just a lot of, uh, a lot of questions and we didn't really have the answers for, so we mm-hmm. just kind of, um, did the best we could. And, uh, luckily for us, no one got hurt and that we were able to find a place for everybody to stay.
0: Yeah. Next time on zero to unicorn with this new hiring philosophy in place, Mike and his leadership team are able to grow the team intentionally. And they have plenty of stories to share about their core values coming to life.